0: I recently heard about a Charlotte, North Carolina lawyer who was a pretty shady character. He was a guy that enjoyed a good cigar and having a good time. And he combined his legal acumen with his interest in expensive cigars to come up with this amazing, great lawsuit. So he purchases a box of expensive cigars and insures them, against many other things, fire. And within a month, he smoked all 24 cigars and had not yet even made his first premium on the policy. And he files a claim against the insurance company, stating that the cigars were lost in a series of small fires. The insurance company refused to pay, citing the obvious reason why he lost his cigars. However, the lawyer sued and won. The judge reasoned, and he agreed that even though the claim was frivolous, the policy clearly stated that they were protected against fire, and the insurance company did not define what was considered acceptable fire. Rather than endure lengthy appeals, the insurance company accepted the ruling and paid the guy $15,000 for his loss of his 24 precious cigars. And now for the best part. After the lawyer cashed a check, the insurance company had him arrested on 24 counts of arson. Why do I tell you that story? So, in Parsha's Mishpatim, the Torah spoke about the specific monetary and social laws that serve as a framework for how to lead our lives. In this week's Parsha, Truma, we go right into the donations that we give to the Mishkan. What is the reason that the specifics regarding the donations follow immediately after the social and monetary laws that we learned in Mishpatim? So, the Gemara Mbava Kama on Sadi Aled tells us that someone who uses stolen money to do a mitzvah, and then he says a brach on that mitzvah, he'll ultimately incur the wrath of Hashem. So the Gemara is communicating to us that we have to be scrupulous in our social and monetary interactions in order to be adequately prepared to do mitzvahs. This is the reason why we're taught the monetary and social laws prior to the specifics about making donations. The Gemara M'sachim, which was last week's daf, discusses ideal situations of bringing a suitable carbon Pesach. The Torah tells us, that a person should not leave any of the meat over from the carbon, but if he does happen to do that, and he does leave over some meat, there is a remedy for the violation of leaving it over till the morning, and that is just burn it in the fire. This way the person won't receive the punishment of malchus, which is lashes. This is because we have a law that malkus, lashes, are never given out for something that can be remedied with a positive commandment, which is known as a law of shenita a negative action that's followed by a positive commandment. From a psychological perspective, you might think that if I can always get out of trouble by doing something positive, that would encourage me to continue sinning. I always have Yom Kippur to remedy my, my sins, my averus. And in Psych 101, we would call that positive reinforcement. But the Torah knew this concept way before psychologists, and they termed it nasa kehetor. It becomes as if it's permissible. However, the Torah does speak of how good intentions can come from a remedy. We come to realize that when we have an all-forgiving God, then we have remedies, and that we should always strive to do what's right, even when we don't see the immediate rewards. And this is the boomerang effect that we've heard countless stories about. If we donate with good intent, we will ultimately receive. Hashem assumes everyone intends on doing good. Certainly, in His most holy of places, He wants people to give with the right intention. And I'm pretty sure that any donations by the unscrupulous cigar attorney would have been rejected. This is why we have mishpatim before Truma. Rather, HaKadosh Baruch appreciates the donations of those who understand the art of giving and benevolence. I'd like to conclude with an amazing story that demonstrates this boomerang effect that I saw in the Living Immuno series. There was once a man named Zev. Zev and his wife had been childless for many years. They so desperately wanted to have a child and they tried every way possible to fulfill their dream of having a family. One year, Zev heard that if you get an aliyah on... For Maftir on Rosh Hashanah, which deals with Chana having a child, it's a great big segula to have children of your own. So Zev arranged with the Shul Gabai to reserve this aliyah for himself. However, right before the aliyah, he was told by the Rav that he had already promised another man the keyboard of getting this aliyah, because he too was childless. So instead of being upset, Zev happily agreed to let the other man have the aliyah. And the next year Zev and his wife were blessed with a child. As Rabbi Ashir says, we don't know how Hashem rewards people, but what we do know is that when we sacrifice to do the right thing, we are always gaining, and that is the Yikkuli Truma. It's always easier for reasons beyond the scope of this talk to be with someone when they are in need. It's more difficult to rejoice in someone else's fortune. So the next time you hear someone who had something good happen to them, act like the Zev in our story. Be happy for that person, and Amir Tz Hashem Hashem will give you the blessings that you ask for. Have a great Shabbos.